the what I call the gaslighting of the American story in capitalism, which is you work hard, you work hard, you work hard, you grind, you grind, you grind, you labor, and then you retire and ease into just slow, pleasant death, right? In your midlife, rather than going into crisis, like you can actually create a, a deeper, more purposeful life that isn't focus on grind and and toil and labor yeah. uh you can <laughs> show titles a little pleasant that i like it We are back. Welcome to episode 234 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brew pint, a fine wine, or of course, whatever happens to be in your glass. On today's episode, the Reverend Shannon Weston Ogenholder and yours truly. Oh, but I don't talk Did you forget myself. your name? I think he forgot his name. And yours truly, so Brian Burkoff, address and engage what's happening through a theological lens with a good brew in hand. Brian came back from sabbatical and was like, I don't know who I am anymore. <laughs> Whether you are a longtime listener, new to the show, you can get even more content starting at $7 a month. You get access to some pre and post show banter. Like for today's episode, we did uh, we did some uh, summer catching up and talked about what we did and how uh, summer and breaks are never long enough. But um, and 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 Shannon dove into some uh, big professional news. You might want to tune in for that. Um, so starting at seven dollars a month, you can access uh, those clips, and um, you might get a pint glass as well at the eighteen dollar level. Are we still giving those away? We still have Absolutely. those. Okay, all right. I got. I don't know where mine is. I had to move a couple times. I don't know where mine is. Anyways, sign up at patreon.com slash ptlive. And as always, thank you to our current patrons. Today we'll be discussing unexpected windfalls, exporting and welcoming immigrants, falling upward. So what are we drinking today, fellas? Our inaugural... Um... I got, I got oh. to finish off this rum bottle. Hey, yo. Got that, a little of the, that is uh, a bottle and a half of rum. <laughs> it's it's been a summer. What can I say? <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna finish off this uh Cruzan aged rum, uh, Saint Croix rum, and uh, doing a good old rum and coke, which I feel is a fairly summery drink. And we got like what two days of summer left. So yeah, uh, then I'll switch to hot toddies. I don't know what's happening after that. Maybe back to beer, but rum and coke. Mm. That's what I got. Why is the rum gone? Sounds good. Brian, what you got? Well, today I am drinking a uh, Big Bison Ale uh, from Crown Valley Brewing out in Missouri. And there's a little bit of a story uh, with this one. Um, when our kids were younger, we were taking a road trip out west and we were at like Theodore Roosevelt National Park in North Dakota and there were buffalo everywhere, like all over the campground. And they'd come sometimes like right by your camper or tent and uh our son who was maybe 11 or 12 at the time winston said what did the parents uh say when a buffalo trampled over their child bye son bye son exactly so it, it was just the funniest he pulled that out and he was so young <laughs> at the time it, it just became a running family joke so we just dropped our first child off at college and after we'd left him way up in the great north i texted my son what did the parents say after they dropped their kid off at college nice. bye son so this bye, is a son. nod to letting one go there you go there you go congratulations Aww. one in college yay welcome yeah. to the welcome to the fold the nest mine is, is a little emptier mine is mine is yeah. beginning her senior year right now and Woo. that's a whole thing that's a whole thing that is a whole thing well, I am embracing um, it's 90 degrees today or something ridiculous. It's only 80 or low 80s, but um, I'm embracing the fall beer. So I have Union Brewing, which is local Baltimore um, brewing um, fest beer, Oktoberfest. Ooh. It's one of my one of my favorite seasonal beers of theirs. 
So I just, I decided to embrace it this week since fall is, is a coming. Yeah, do it. Right? We are, you know, we're more than halfway through September. So I think that's legit. On to today's topics. Awesome. Well, cheers. It's good to be back and great to, uh, great to see you guys. And here we go. All right. Which basic household task or chore is your favorite? None of them. (laughs) None of them. There's nothing I like to do. What about around the house? What about most tolerable? Like least bad? Yeah. Cooking. Um, I guess um, cooking. Cooking. All right. Because because uh, at least there's a reward afterwards, right? You right. Can enjoy something. That's right. Um, I kind of like vacuuming. Actually, there's something about vacuuming and mm. or sweeping, but mostly vacuuming. You know, I'll put on I'll put on my noise canceling headphones. I'll listen to some either music or podcast, and I'm just like, and there's something about there's something about like a freshly vacuumed carpet with no like footprints or anything on it. There's something about you know just just a clean walking surface for me so i don't know vacuuming vacuuming i can get i can get down with yeah 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 i hear you yeah it's nice to see progress and nice to enjoy uh whatever it is you just did and uh yeah for me it's probably i'd love to say it's washing dishes but it just isn't um or doing the dishwasher anything with dishes um it's probably mowing the lawn for a similar reason to ogan that like when you're done it's like the lawn looks nice and and also I'm outside, I'm usually listening to a podcast and it's just, you know, it's kind of mindless, enjoyable work. And it means it's not winter. I feel like a division of labor discussion was recently had in your house. Is this, is this <laughs> where this question is coming from? Well, you know, it's, you know, there's always labor. There's one there's, kid down. So somebody's got exactly. to chores. <laughs> that's, that's what I was referring to. One, yeah. one, one spare hands. The Who's going to pick up that slack? There you go. Indeed. My son loves to take out the trash. He loves it. Like he's like, anytime you want the trash taken out, he's like, I'll do it. And I'm like, I, I don't understand. I don't get it. But like he wants to do that chore. And by all means, I want all the chores to be done. I don't want to do them. Why? You know. See, but what he's doing is pretty smart because that that in effect is a big thing, right? He's getting all the trash all the stuff you don't want out of the house, but it's really only just like one, maybe two trips max and you're done. It's, it's like a big return on investment. So yeah. of thing. no, like, I, Look I, I think did. he's, I think he's real smart to do that. Um, the thing I do the most around the house is the organization. So like mm. the pantry needs to be organized. The closet needs to be organized. Like when I have energy, those are the things I put my energy into. Um, but yeah, I don't enjoy this is this is the you know um that Nina Simone who who did the quote that was like I do not enjoy labor I do not dream of work I do not enjoy labor you know there you go and and part of your organizing gifts probably involve organizing who's doing what to make sure all that stuff happens we had chore charts for a long time in this house um Derek and I one of the things that will always keep our marriage afloat is is having someone do the basic cleaning of our house because we neither one of us do that um well or easily or naturally and um i just need to know that toilets have been cleaned and sheets are clean but like you know this is just i'm not i don't want to say traditional like but it's not my gift (laughs) there you go that's all right that's all right it really is yeah Exactly. really allowed to be exactly all right so recently a man received a payment by mistake of almost two hundred and fifty thousand dollars from google even though he had done no work for the company and he tweeted out it's been a little over three weeks since google randomly sent me two hundred and forty nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars and i still haven't heard anything back on the support ticket because i have questions like how, quickly how, how, he, how can I do that? How, how can I get that mistake happen to me? <laughs> and how quickly do you write a support ticket saying, hey, you accidentally sent me a ton of money. How now, can you fix this? Not like, how quickly. Why? Why would you write it in right. the first place? Yes. They don't even know that money's gone. They make so much money. Yes. 
that's like the spare change behind the spare change in the couch for them. Like exactly. No, I mean, my fear would be that I would like use it and then they would come after me. Right. Like then they'd be like, where's, where's the money? And And I don't know. Then you, then you get into like, well, it was your mistake. So now it's gone too bad. But like, you know, and there's, I'm I'm sure something like that has a statute of limitations. Right. So I would take that money. I'd invest it. Let it grow until the statute of limitations ran out. That way, right. even if even if they're like, uh, we need our money back, you know, unless the market really tanked, you, you kind of have it. And it's so you answered the question, thing. which I was about to ask. What would yeah. you do with a random windfall? Of that's a that's, of a million that's what I would. That's what I would, I think, legit do with it. To Shannon's point, yes, even though this is like a, a drop in a drop in a bucket for them, a drop in the ocean for them given how much money they make right. at some point, somebody might go like, not somebody, the, the computer, the bot, the AI the thing in the basement <laughs> mm-hmm. that's alive that they don't want anybody to know about mm-hmm. would say like, you know, 250 grand is unaccounted for and, and they'll track it down because they know everything, but. Well, and they have the lawyers to keep you in litigation exactly. forever. And they have the, anyway, I just, I, I, yeah. I would, I, I think something not even remotely like this happened, but I think years ago, um, like a payment I sent in back when we sent checks in for payments on like credit cards or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I sent in a payment for like $175 and they counted it or it was like $100 and they put it as $1,000 instead of 100 on my account. And it 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 was one of those things that like, do you call, do you let it go? Like, it's clearly just somebody accidentally, it was an accounting error. Somebody's going to fix it at some point, you know? Um, so I did, I did call and was like, Hey, you know, here's the deal. Um, and but- then you're expecting what's my reward for being such an honest and upright <laughs> human person. No, I mean, I wouldn't, I, have, you, I just- have you met banks? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think for me, I'm just way, I'm just whether it's practical or cynical, I don't know enough to be like, it's going to collect on me somehow. So I might as well just up front be honest about it because, yeah. you know, it's yeah, going to yeah. come back around and bite me at some point. I hear Bitcoin I is money. I hear Bitcoin is hot now. <laughs> yeah. Put it in a Bitcoin. I, I Put do it in like, Bitcoin. I, I do like your plan, Ogan, to invest it right away. And then you, um, of course, if the market goes sideways, you might regret it. But, it, you know, the idea that you could either get interest and or some returns on investments so that even if yeah. they took it back, you'd say, well, at least I got a little something out of right. having it for a little while. Buy Google stock with it and be like, Seriously. you want your money back. You need to do better. Ooh. <laughs> Smart. I like now. I like that. That's good. That's 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 a winning strategy right there. That's really good. That's really good. Yeah. Or like pay off your mortgage and then be like, oh, you're gonna kick me and my family out of house and home. You know, like right. it's yeah. That went out. That went out a lot good on them. But again, they don't. I don't think they care that much. Honestly, right. Google's done worse. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 All right. Speaking of so, worse. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, right. speaking of worse. So if you have a thought, post it in the comments on Facebook or tweet it at us, uh, hashtag PT Live, what would you do with a quarter of a million dollars? But yes, yeah, speaking of worse, recently, uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis sent two plane loads of migrants slash immigrants to Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts to protest a recent rise in illegal immigration, which he blames on the current administration. Each plane carried about 50 uh, immigrants, including children, who it seems have mostly come from Venezuela and Colombia and uh, countries that are experiencing severe economic and political turmoil. DeSantis defended this, saying, we're not a sanctuary state, and it's better to be able to go to a sanctuary jurisdiction. And and yes, we'll help facilitate that transport for you. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So, so here's the thing, though. Yeah, so they, initial reactions to that, and then we have some commentary about it. But what is your initial reaction to that? He, he, he's a moron of epic proportions, one. This is this is them trying to, I don't know, out, out, MAGA themselves, show up, show up the libs more than the other person. Right. But here's the, here's the interesting piece of this, because when I first heard about this, before he dove in the details of it, I thought it was migrants that he that he sent from Florida. They were from Texas, so yeah. he 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 basically 
arranged to have legal sanctuary-seeking immigrants, by the way. So these folks weren't illegal immigrants. They crossed the border. They declared themselves. Seeking asylum. Seeking asylum. And when you're in the U.S., that's not illegal. Not illegal. Not illegal. And when you are claiming asylum until your case is heard, you are free to move about the country. Yeah. Right. So 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 he then gets some wranglers to to gather these folks up mm. and tell them, you know, we're going to take you to Boston where there's jobs and we can expedite your process. So it was a whole like cloak and dagger, like deception right. scheme to get f- from Texas. The money for that came out of funds that were uh, COVID relief funds sent to the state and the Florida legislator said, here's 12 million to do these weird shenanigan things. And I'm just like, I don't, the, the, the mind that comes up with this, I, I, I can't put myself in their shoes at all. It is, it is politicking with people's lives because they, they ship them. And as you know, didn't let anyone know they were coming. Uh, and all of these folks are like, where the hell are we? Uh, sort of deal. There's now a, a, a uh, Texas sheriff doing a criminal investigation into it. Uh, Massachusetts lawyers are getting involved, um, you know, because there might be human trafficking. Yeah, uh, I was going to say here. there's kidnapping and human trafficking right? laws because uh, because they were they were shipped over on, on under forced pretenses right. sort yeah. of deal. So I'm just like, where? For me, it's scary. Where does this end? In return to in, well, in and that- to, yeah, go ahead. And well, and that was my other question of like, so they're asylum seekers versus just versus simply immigrants, which are, I don't mean that as in like, oh, you're just an immigrant, like asylum seekers, there's immigrants, but there's also migrant workers who are people who come to the U.S. to work, who there's a bit of in Florida. There's a quite a bit, a lot of them in upstate New York, quite honestly. So I don't know as much about Martha's Vineyard, but like, in upstate New York, a lot of your apples that come from New York are picked by migrant workers. Yeah. So so that to me, there was a lot of confusion. And then it got down to like, no, these are asylum seekers. And and I don't know, you know, who's telling the truth and who's not and whatever. But yeah, this this was ridiculous on every level. And um <laughs> and like as we move on about this. There is an element, it, it, if I can go to the best possible place of this, which I don't usually, you know, find very easily, but it it does make me wonder if this allows us to have a conversation that we really haven't had before, because you took it to such an extreme. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's hard to say, that, even, even under the best reading of this, that it's playing politics with humans' actual lives. Like, right. Right. And and what's interesting is is now that they are halfway across the country, with no necessarily easy perceptual means of returning to where they came from, right? They're possibly going to put themselves in illegal status now because you know often you got to show up to court uh, mm-hmm. for certain right. things at certain times when you're called, and now these folks are halfway across the country. Granted, I just heard that the like the average wait time around hearings like this are like four years because there's such a backlog, which is Shannon's point is a conversation around like like the that that this immigration system is um especially when it comes to asylum seekers is a mess. But part of the reason it's a mess is that you know when when for the most part Democrats put forward uh, um, you know, suggestions on reform and bills on reform, Republicans aren't hearing it, right? Because then right. if you do that, it's taken away their fear-mongering uh, mm-hmm. point right. to scare people to vote for them. If you don't mm-hmm. vote for us, because you don't vote for us, we have all these, you know, illegal immigrants streaming in and they're going to come, you know, take your house and take your jobs and all that. And once again, it's not people taking our jobs. It's the robot. Have you seen the video of the robot working in the fast food place frying French fries? No. Like, th- this, this is where we're at now. Big robot arm, like taking, dipping the fries. And so it's it's the robots. Technology's taking these jobs, not there you go. people. Well, and nobody and, wants and, those jobs. So And, yeah. and can we also, can we, uh, there's that too. And can we also um, notice 
um, the 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 racist undertones of this too. I don't yeah, see him yes. cajoling busloads of like you know, Ukraine immigrants, right? Exactly. To go, to, to go somewhere. I mean, that's uh, the other well. side. Is yeah. that you? I mean, this also. So there was nothing good about putting children in cages during the Trump era. Nothing, and it allowed us to have a conversation that. I had been ignoring, you know, about an issue that I had been ignoring, that we had been ignoring as a country, that we, you know, that just happened over there and down there. And and it was to such an extreme that we couldn't help but have a conversation about it. And he's doing the same. I mean, I really, at the end of the day, feel like this will do the opposite of whatever it is he was trying to do. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, so. No, I it, think it's I... just. I think you're right. I think you're right. So I've got a quote here to bring in a faith angle uh, from the Religion News Service in an article there. Jonathan Merritt writes, Ron DeSantis likes to play the part of a proud Christian on the campaign trail, even commandeering Bible verses and stump speeches. But apparently when it comes to the Bible's repeated commands along the lines of do not mistreat or oppress an immigrant, he's willing to make some compromises. And in this line is interesting. He says, and who can blame him? It's getting harder for a politician to adhere to Christian morals and get elected president. So wondering about the faith angle and that last statement about it's it's hard to get elected president by actually acting like a Christian. Well, you know, I that ships that ship sailed when they decided to endorse Trump. Like, I mean, it was it was it was a ship that was, you know, floating close to the shores. It was already. Yeah. But when they decided to endorse Trump, like any any moral high grounds that they would normally stake themselves on went out the window. Well, it happened way before that. But that's a whole nother. You but, know, well, yes, history. yes. But officially, <laughs> as, a, as a whole party. Right. right? There was there was individual Re- people. Reagan kind of started the trend. <laughs> a, a little bit, a, a little bit, a little bit. Yes. But at least there was the appearances of, yeah, of yeah. propriety. Right, right, right. The subtlety <laughs> was gone. Absolutely. But, uh, now, now everything's right. everything's everything's now out, everything's out gone the, the ship. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so I, I I agree with the statement. I I find actually the um the language both in the first sentence he likes to play the part of the proud Christian. Right. Like that yeah. is proud Christian, those two words together always might give me pause, you know? Um, But actually I, I agree. I think that I've always been skeptical of the pledge of church going and Christianity and, you know, whatever in, in our recent history. Um, I remember when uh, Obama and Hillary were in the race and the, you know, Jeremiah Wright sermon came mm, out and, yes. you know, there was that whole discussion and, you know, my issue of, of you can't um, take part of it. You could take pieces of a sermon, you know, at any time and, and call me out on something or right. whatever, you know, we, it just can happen. And, um, it's funny that after that, I was a pastor at the time in the mail, I got, a, you know, a old CD, um, from, it was actually, a a group of a Muslim group that were trying to like send the full sermon out to Christian churches to be like, stop demonizing this person, yes. you know, like this is, which there would be people that would take pause of that. I like, want to say, listen you know, to this. He was, he was preaching. <laughs> Right. But it was, it was actually a, like, Hey, we want you to hear the whole thing. Like you're a church. You should understand that there's context and there's whatever. And um, anyway, but I, I, there's always been this Christian, you know, they were trying to like make Obama into this Christian pledge kind of thing. And, and him going like, what's wrong with me growing up in different cultures? Like what's wrong with the fact that I, you know, grew up in a place with, with all kinds of religions and, and, and at the same time, you know, here we have a president who is a devout Catholic and who that has been part of his faith for a very long time. And he's demonized for that. So (laughs) it just, I agree. I agree that, you know, it is getting harder and harder for, it used to be that our morality as a group of people were way more i won't say absolutely in line but way more in line with the christian message than it is now no question 
Yeah. So we said it was because behind, behind the scenes shenanigans. were. I was going to say there's this like small period of time because mm. like pre-civil rights, like Jim Crow didn't have anything to do, you know. But well, I was, but no, those, I mean, the perpetrators of the horrors of Jim Crow, they were good Christians too. Air quotes. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> oh, okay, if you gotcha. were, yeah, like if you, it, it, I don't know, maybe there's never a time that we've actually been, you know, in line with these things. Well, well um, it's always about who's defining what good Christian is, exactly. right? It's all in the yeah. eye of the beholder, because just la- a couple of weekends ago at a rally, Eric Trump said, this was on the sheet last week, no one has done more yes. for Christianity in the history of Christianity than my father. <laughs> like, what? Don't you love how stupid he is? <laughs> like, but but he's so but his own dad has said that. Like Donald Trump has no. said that. No, no but like done, I have done more for Christianity than Christ Himself. Right. <laughs> and, his, like, and people listen to that and they nod along. No, there are people that absolutely agree with that. Mm-hmm. But there I are people I love that might actually agree with that. And like uh, I don't I <laughs> I, I don't know what 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 are you seeing that you think makes this man a Christian? Like what is it that you're looking at that I don't understand? Yes. Yes. Well, that's Even, that right. I think I here here's where I think that's coming from. It's it's about it could be, but I would say if you're gonna need an example of that, folks would point to the state of the Supreme Court right now. Yes. You know, which is always earned, unfortunately, on the side of, quote unquote, what looks like extreme religious propriety and going like, yeah, we're going to overturn Roe v. Wade. Yeah, we're going to let the coach pray at the half, the the the, the 50 yard line. We're going to do all these things that seemingly are, are bending towards the, quote unquote, religious liberties, which really, as we know, is an excuse to uh, discriminate. Um, and 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 a recent interesting example was uh, I don't know if you guys read about the case with the uh, the the synagogue in New York and the LGBTQ um, club, not the synagogue. It was a, it was a Jewish school, and there was this LGBTQ club that wanted to form within the school, and the school said uh, no. This goes against who we are as practicing, you know, for their particular uh, faith. Um, the group pushback goes all the way to Supreme Court. The Supreme Court sides with the LGBTQ group and says right. that the school can't stop you. But then it says basically to the to the church, uh, yeah, but here's the path you need to take if you really want to enforce your ban in this group. So mm-hmm. uh, given how you presented the case, we can't side with you. But if you want us to side with you, here's how your case should look. Oh my right. God. Here's what it's you need like, to do next time. <laughs> what? Yeah. So, so yes, so folks would say because of him being in office um, and and the sequence of events that allowed allowed him to pack the court the way he did. Now, everyone with some claim that, you know, this decision is affecting my religious liberties, like life saving Mm -hmm. anti viral HIV drugs, you know, yeah, given given this drug is encouraging homosexuality so it's a game to my did we forget aids is not just <laughs> really right. never no. was just a, a, a disease among homosexuals like this is i don't understand yeah right oh, but here God. but here we are here we are so for the next foreseeable i don't know how many decades every ruling that's presented under the guise of um, infringing on my religious rights which is usually ultra conservative who wants to discriminate will probably get the nod for the Supreme Court. So so he's not entirely wrong in that regards, but that's not a regard really any of us kind of want as as yeah. Kansas demonstrated, you know, when it right. said no, we're going to keep the right to abortion on on in our in our state constitution. Prompted me yeah. to say the phrase I never thought I'd say out loud, but Kansas gave me hope. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, Thankfully, there's a happier side to this story with the sending of folks over to Martha's Vineyard and that several small churches there um, on short notice kind of uh, came together to make sure that these uh, displaced people had a place to stay, a place to stay, food to eat, were cared for, et cetera. And that prompted one of the local pastors to say, little churches still matter. And so one church had already had in place stuff for a shelter during the winter. So they 
could have they had cots and a kitchen, showers, etc. Other churches uh, sent food, clothes, other supplies, raised money to support them. And so, you know, what does that say to us about, you know, the power of churches, even small ones, to organize like this in a unique way? And do we think small churches still matter? Well, this is what Christianity looks like, mm-hmm. right? Not not what not what you know. Back to that quote about DeSantis trying to portray himself as a Christian. That is what loving loving your neighbor looks like. That's what clothing and feeding and sheltering the stranger looks like. So I would argue that that they're they're the exemplars in that situation. And I would also argue that you might find that more in small churches than than mega churches. The big churches, mm-hmm. because you know the big churches get caught up in the the, the politic in into the, the the maintenance of the trappings and all that sort of thing, you know. So yeah. so I would argue that yes, small churches still matter because of that. I mean, yeah. I I when I read that, I thought about our the way that our church would respond. You know, right this kind of 80 member, you know, smaller church in a more affluent community, which is, you know, what Martha's Vineyard is. Now that Martha's Vineyard doesn't have its other side than the, you know, multi-million dollar homes. But, um, you know, this is how they would have responded. It's it's the right thing to do. And I guarantee the people that helped set those up were more people than the small churches, you know, than the people in the small churches. and and this is part of, you know, why we don't want to lose our local churches, our smaller, you know, street corner village churches, um, is because this isn't just something we do randomly. This is also like it's where the local food pantry is held, and it's where somebody goes to get help, and it's the one who organizes, you know, yeah. um, these kind of things and. And these are the churches with the schools in them and not, you know, here in Baltimore, like it's, it's the school, it's the, it's the smaller churches that have the schools in them. The bigger churches don't want their building messed up by children, you know, like, <laughs> right. and yeah. like, or, you know, or are just big amphitheaters that can't handle a school at the same time. And we know how to share space. We know how to share our building. We, you know, we know how to adapt. Um, mm. This doesn't scare us, but you know, less people are coming to church and those places are going to dwindle down and somebody's going to turn that church into a second home and you know live in it yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And that might be beautiful and a good Airbnb, but something is lost when that happens in a way. That's why you should turn them into breweries and bars. Ah. Keep that, keep that community. Well, no doubt. Uh, gather in place spirit. That's and right. then and then you could even encourage uh, the the patrons to do some community service work while they're at it. Yeah. And there's examples of that as well. Yeah. Right. Wherever there's sort of community gathering, like people will come together in a time of need. And um, and I just thought it was cool that it was these churches who are sort of, you know, showing this is how you actually treat people who are just mm-hmm. trying to get their lives figured out and don't and need help, you know, and they're in a new place. Yeah. What they don't need is someone to say, you're a problem. You don't belong here. You don't look like us. And so we're sending you out of here. Like that is the opposite, exact opposite of Christ and of what the church should be doing or anyone who uses the name Christian. And an interesting thing that that Shannon alluded to earlier was the people in Martha's Vineyards who are stepping up to help them are not the multimillionaires who have the mansions, right? They're, they're all shut down. They've gone back to their winter homes all the summer, you know, the summer stuff is wrapping up. Mm -hmm. These are the locals live there, Mm -hmm. which are also more likely the folks who are in the service jobs that serve the millionaires who, who live there. So, so these are undoubtedly the people who also don't have, a lot, uh, you know, extra to give disposable income, whatever, um, as well. But that and that didn't stop them, which makes this even more uh, a beautiful story of of, of benevolence, which I think, mm-hmm. um, which I've seen, um, you know, tweets and posts about is is coming back to in some ways, you know, bite DeSantis in the face because he's like, oh, I'm going to uh, I mean, of all the places to send him. Right. Right. But but let's be also clear, there's some locations up there that are the homes to 
um, some deep pocketed Republican donors and he didn't mm-hmm. send them there either. So, right. So yeah, the, right. the, you know, there's, there's no pretense around this being anything other than some weird, you know, but stunt. I, yeah. This story actually, it brought up a question for me and it's one that's, I, that's been working on me since um, there was a story done. Um, I think I heard it on this American life, but I can't be for sure about that. But it was a story done on the expedition of the Ukrainian um, asylum seekers versus those from Venezuela and Mm -hmm. Colombia, you know, who had been there for years and who were in facilities that had nothing. And the the how quickly the Ukrainians were being processed through and the facilities that they had that were just Full. They were full of toys. They were full of school supplies because all of these churches had donated to this facility. And whereas the the you know the other facility that was more of a state-run facility, um, or may have even been a church facility, but it was like a struggling church trying to keep this ministry going, where they're actually doing school for the kids because the kids are there for months or if not years at a time. Versus the Ukrainian one where they're there for maybe days, like maybe 48 hours. Um, And it was such an interesting story. And I thought, you know, in this world that is getting smaller and smaller on this level, what is our responsibility as a church in Baltimore or as a church in Martha's Vineyard, you know, to um, versus a church that's in Tijuana, you know, and and are we supposed to stay local? And if that's the case, are we doing a good job there? in our local community or is our job to kind of make sure that the that the churches in Tijuana that the churches in Brownsville Texas and um in Miami are getting the support that they need um to support these kind of asylum seeker and and even legal immigrant you know it, even you know what even immigrant status people you know i just right. i'll i'll take off any qualifier to that cuz people are people so you know the Um, I have good friends that used to work in Arizona on the border that Mm. was a water basically would go out and put out water in the desert for people because they were having so many people that died of dehydration. Um, So anyway, it just, it makes, it begs that question for me of what's our responsibility as a church. Well, I think it's the both. I don't think it has to be an either or, and I get that for Mm -hmm. small churches, especially resources are thin, but I think you can find ways to do it both ends, and that that was a great example. Putting out water in the desert, like that—that's not going to cost a whole lot, I right. imagine. Right? And it was a Let's, whole ministry, yeah, right. right? Like it was a whole ministry, exactly. And you can do that, and you can say, like, still every month, send a, maybe a, uh, some some dollars to the church and to you want or mm-hmm. or if they need supplies, books, whatever, you know, or or supplies to help kids out. You can you can do drives to to gather those things. I. I, I think it's a, I think it's a both end. Yeah. And no doubt there's plenty of churches in Florida and Texas and some of these conservative Southern states that are led by Republican leadership. Like why don't they just turn to their local churches or wouldn't it be powerful if their local churches said, what are you doing? Sending these people away. We're here. We've got, we're equipped. Right. We've got ministries. We've got volunteers. We've got this, you know, we can help. Right. Right. And I guess, and then the, you know, the last question is what is the role of the church versus the state when we're dealing with something that really comes down to certainly at some point, a level of policy around immigration and processing people who are seeking asylum and and how one becomes a legal uh, immigrant, um, quote unquote, um, and the advantages that that has versus having the other label you know, it's like a, it's a thorny thing, you know, it's like we, the government shouldn't make it harder for churches to do their job and the government shouldn't make it harder for people seeking a better life. It is not, it is not my job, not only as a pastor, but as a person of faith to ask a question of worthiness to clothe you and feed you, right? That is not my job. That may be the role of government. Hmm. But in this moment, I am not an agent of the state. The yeah. only time I am an agent of the state is when I marry somebody. Right. And even that I have some issue with. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. why Why do I work for the state in this moment, right? And I've said that a thousand times. I'd rather be in England where 
you know, when you go get your marriage certificate, you're married, you're done. Like that's done. If you want to have a religious ceremony, great. I will show up for that. Yeah. That's much but better. It's much better. But like, why I am not an agent of the state It is not my job when you're knocking at my door to question your worthiness um, in, in terms of whether you're hungry or not. It's just not. Boom. That's so that's well not said. I love that. I love that because so, yeah. They're two different discussions is all I'm saying, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. 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 And I, and I guess the, the, where they overlap is when it comes to, well, the government like forces people into facilities because there's nowhere else to put them. And it's, it's very dehumanizing these facilities. You just, you well, the, the other thought that I had the though, government, the government forces certain people into certain facilities. Right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. But but I also had this thought of like you've just sent them out into the churches and now they're in sanctuaries like now they're in protected places right. so like you also just facilitated an easier transition to yeah. their staying in the United States um, but and again like it's not it, it it's very complicated and I'm not yeah. I, I'm not saying also the last thing I'll say on this issue is it's also the church's place to advocate. And to um, fight for fight for justice at the government level, like I fully agree with that. But again, if somebody if somebody in my neighborhood is in need, it is my job to figure out how to get cots and blankets and teddy bears and food and whatever else in and a shower, you know, and to call my community. It is not my question to go. Why are you here? you know, and, and what are you doing in my backyard? You're supposed to be in Texas's backyard. You know, that's my job is to get you fed. Yeah. And then we can talk good. And maybe a lawyer. My job might be also be to get you a lawyer. (laughs) Very good. Very good. All right. So our last topic uh, doesn't apply to the three of us because we're all in the first half of life. No, I'm not. (laughs) And I'm the youngest. Um, I'm just entering my second third. I'm going to live to 120. I've told you all this many, many times. Yes. See what I'm saying? All right. So uh, Father Richard Rohr describes the conscious attention and intention necessary to, quote unquote, fall upward into a purposeful second half of life. He says, most of us tend to think of the second half of life as largely about getting old, dealing with health issues and letting go of our physical life. But I I simply don't believe that's all there is to it. What looks like falling can largely be experienced as falling upward and onward into a broader and deeper world where the soul finds its fullness, is finally connected to the whole, and lives inside the big picture. Okay, so are those just flowy, nice sort of uh, words to say to people who are in the second half of life? Or or what, what is the depth or solidity behind what he's saying there um i from an intention standpoint i i agree as as you know as am i the oldest one on here i'm 48 am i the oldest i'm the oldest aren't you I? are the oldest i am i am the senior gentleman on the show um <laughs> and and this phase of my life is actually has been the most intentional uh purposeful um, I, the, these, these are, I'm like getting into the best years and times of my life right now. However, that whole health issues and physicality thing, that's a real thing, right? So I think combining the two, it's less about falling upwards. I feel like I'm in a roll right now. It's more like rolling. <laughs> roll, well, right, I was going to say. Rolling into the second half. Right, um, right have now. you ever tripped going up the stairs? It's still very painful. It is like, still. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Falling upward is not as good as it sounds. It's, it's not, exactly. It's, it's still exactly. falling. It's still falling. It's still falling, it's still falling right? It's, but you fall and land on your knees, which don't use, don't work like they used to. Right. Any, anymore exactly. so but but i agree there there is there is this narrative which is i think yeah in, inherently linked to the you know the the what i call the gaslighting of the american story and capitalism which is you work hard you work hard you work hard you grind you grind you grind you labor and then you retire and ease into just slow pleasant death right the, the narrative has not been about about hey in your midlife, rather than going into crisis, like you can actually create a, a deeper, more purposeful life that isn't 
focus on grind and and toil and labor yeah. uh you can <laughs> show title slow pleasant death i like it <laughs> uh. <laughs> um you know so you can you can that message that message isn't isn't you don't hear that a lot because then that will require you to step out of the grind a lot earlier right yeah. and um, Some, so go ahead someone asked me as i as i make a kind of career again i i see this more going generalized ministry to specialized ministry but it's also a, a bit of a career shift right mm-hmm. and um somebody was talking to me about coaching and they said, well, how close are you to getting your therapy license? You know, would that be what we were just talking? And I said, you know, (laughs) when I was in seminary and I was in seminary between the ages of 22 and 25, I could have done a dual degree program and stayed an extra year and gotten both my master's of divinity and my marriage and family therapy degree. Mm. But at the time, one, I, I didn't know that I would be called, you know, to kind of do this leadership work and whatever. But two, like at 25, another year of my life felt like an eternity. It felt right? like a slow, felt, unpleasant death. <laughs> <laughs> felt like, I mean, it was, you know, like 25% of my life, you no, know, like whatever. Like it was, absolutely. it was, it wasn't that that's not right. But, you know, you get the idea and it's a 10th, um, but it just was this is thing that now I'm like a year is nothing. Like if I would have spent a little more time on that, then, mm. you know, maybe I, more options would have opened up later or whatever. And, and, and I, so I do agree that this, as you get older, there's less, you know, your focus is very narrow when you're young and then, you know, it opens up, it opens up, it opens up. And it's, it's the problem of it's, it's also to me that gets into the, like, we ask six-year-olds if they have a girlfriend or a boyfriend at school, you know, and one don't sexualize a six-year-old and two, like, that we're not there yet, you know, like, like, let's not rush this or what do you want to be when you grow up? Like, we're not, we don't have to be defined by these things. And we don't know that until we kind of get later in life, you know, so and then we have to undo all that crap. It's funny you mentioned that I I said earlier, uh, Joy is my daughter's senior year of college. And the class she's freaking out about the most is there's this class where they basically have to create like an artist statement for themselves. Like this is as an artist, here's, here's, here's who I am. And here's what I want to represent and bring to the world. And Joy's like, I'm 21. I don't know that. Am I supposed to know that now? And I, and I said to her, I said to her, no, you're not. I'm 48 and I'm only, and I only just figured that out to which I goes, I'd argue that you're still working on it. Right. So, so, and I said to her, she, so she's like, so what am I supposed to do? I was like, "Uh, just fake it. Seriously, just fake it for the grade, write something that sounds good, write something based on, on what you enjoy doing now. Right. And remember, this is not, this is not, right. This is not pigeonholing you into for life like right. you probably change this next year after you've been out in the working world for a year and go like oh shit no so so yeah so the expectations we put on on people i think at any point in their life to know what their life is going to be about i think it's just sheer folly we will mm-hmm. we are always evolving mm-hmm. yeah. yeah 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 and i think yeah. how much we're defined by that forever you know like i mean or you could be in a way that is silly it's just you know it's just and we're living longer right uh yeah so so so, you know there was a time when you hit your 50s your 60s and you're like yeah we we starting to moonlight this thing or sunset this thing (laughs) right but now it's like 50 60 is like the new what 30s and 40s right like you're you're literally not um, you, you know, you still have at least maybe if you're lucky, another 30, 40 years ahead of you. That's a lot of time mm-hmm. to, to just go like, eh, let me just coast. That's, that's, yeah. So, so, so what do you do with that time? If like, you know, what's the official retirement age? I don't know. 65. Yeah. I, mean, I, mean, I think, I think they're the... bumping it up to 67 maybe, but, but Some, I think you're right. I think, I think you know, intentionality is so key because I think it, it plays itself out in that when people do quote unquote retire, if they have not been intentional about 
what am I about now? Or what are, what are ways I can continue to do things that are meaningful to me, invest in my community, make a difference? People get depressed and or yeah. like they lose their health quickly because they're not as active mm -hmm. or they've lost a reason to get up in the morning. And you got to have that to keep you driving forward and to, to live the life I think well, that God has intended for you. And and I totally agree. But let's be honest. And, and I'll say this about my father because I love him. And But he worked and worked and worked and worked and then retired at 65 and mm -hmm. lives a very happy and good, very, you know, saved out, squirreled away all his money and as gets to go and travel all over the world and do whatever he wants. And, and I look at that and, and like the so few people, like just the fact that he hasn't died, at, but for now, you know, in the last 10 years, I'm just like, you just got lucky that you were able to do that. I, I don't want to put all my, I don't want to, I don't have that guarantee that I will be that lucky yeah. that it'll, I'll squirrel it all away and I'll, work as hard, you know, I'll work constantly all through the weekends, all through the whatever. And, and then I'll just get to enjoy my life for 15 years. Or yeah. And years. have the health. Cause that's no guarantee. Right. And why, why it's not that I don't want that. It's just, why can't I, we can have a little bit of both. It's the moderation yeah. thing, right? Yes. It's like, I can have time with my family and my kids and, and maybe I can't put as much into my retirement right now, but like, time will come and it will be okay. And we will figure it out. And it, it just, you know, that privileged few that gets to work hard, play hard is just a lot of us work hard and don't necessarily get to play hard in the end. Again, yeah. the, you know. the, the American gaslighting <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, yeah. uh, dream slash slash story. That's, that is, that is not available to, to, to a lot of, of, of folks. Right. It's well, and it's, and Richard Rohr and and I I do like Richard Rohr, but he is he is of a different generation, mm -hmm. and our generation is and and under is dealing with a completely different economic reality as their generation yes. was, and we have all the degrees and work very very hard and don't necessarily get paid for it, you know, in the same way. Um, right. And so we're struggling. And so we have kind of figured out not that all of life is pain, but life is a struggle and we've got to make certain decisions and we have to make the right decisions that allow us to have some joy in our life because there will be struggle in the midst of it, too. Well, the so joy, all right. of this is changing. The, you know, the joy in the life now is what gets is what will sustain us more yes. more long term to to even maybe get to that retirement age and if it means that we you know push back the quote unquote official retirement and i and and i understand the term retirement is is about the you no longer have to work a full time job anymore is i guess the the, the premise behind it and at the same time it it sort of it it, the 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 implicit message is you know you know well done my good and faithful servant <laughs> you've mm -hmm. you've done you've done the thing now you can put your feet up again and 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 coast and that's not the reality for so many people i mean what what's right. what's the estimation of social security going bankrupt you know kind of kind of deal and and it's it's a con it's an ever moving you know right like so <laughs> Exactly. By the time but, my my daughter's but, old enough to retire, it may not be a thing. And then what's what's the point, yeah. right? Well, and and COVID changed all, everything, everything as well, right? Like it changed everything, including Social Security and how much it pays out and when and to who and you know all yeah. of it, it. It's all just very obviously it's very complicated. But I, I it's funny. I remember the day that. Um, like I happily say, like I am in midlife now because I do think there is, I, Brene Brown has this thing that it's more of a like spiritual awakening than it is a crisis. You know, very few people actually go through a crisis mm -hmm. that it's, it's more of a rediscovery of yourself and what you want for your life and things like that. And, and so I happily claim that kind of banner of midlife, but there is a wisdom that comes to 
you know, looking and saying, oh, there are aspects of my career that I don't want to keep doing, you know, and, and again, like, you know, here's this area that I enjoy, or, you know, maybe we can make it work where we <laughs> work from home or we, you know, whatever, like, well, maybe I can make this work there. And there's not so much of a fear of failing or that you'll be perceived badly or, right. you know, that I'm, I'm nothing but this thing that I've, Somebody asked me if I was going to have trouble letting go of the, like, actually it was our daughter. We told our kids oh, that I was going to be leaving the church. She goes, mom, are you going to still be, are you gonna still be a minister? And like, I was like, yeah, like I'll still, I'm not laying down my ordination. Like I still have the title and I'll, you know, I'll still work in these, whatever. And, and she's like, but you're not a pastor anymore. Oh. And like, I, I was like, yeah, but I'm okay with it. Like, I don't, you know, I'm not, I don't feel defined. And then like, I had this click moment of like, oh, this isn't about me. This is about her, right? She's yeah. 14. Everything's about her. Like, this is about her <laughs> trying to figure out who I am, like so that I can fit in like some identity box, you know, For sure. Um, because for her, it's a lot easier to go, oh, my mom's a pastor. And like, somehow people know what that means or whatever. Versus like, oh, my mom's in leadership and organizational, you know, redevelopment. Yeah. <laughs> like what <laughs> what does that mean by the way right. I said that to the dentist the other day and they went oh and I was like yes <laughs> there were zero follow-up questions Boom. I was like I've waited my whole life for that Boom. <laughs> the worst is when they get chatty and you're on the dental chair and they're in your mouth asking you uh, questions what do you do I'm a minister oh I don't go to blah, blah, blah. and I'm like oh god don't. so I was like no I'll I'll easily live give that title up like no problem honey no I like, problem I, I like it my my daughter my daughter still struggles with that she's like first of all I you know the 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 last thing I tell people is what job you do <laughs> and now now that you're doing what you do it's even harder to explain to people right because yeah. <laughs> you don't actually do it in a church like you don't do it in like exactly exactly I'm like why, why do you because because uh tell her business for a little bit uh you know uh when in in her relationships and her like when she's dating stuff she goes, the last thing I tell people about you is that you're a minister, because as soon as I tell them that, you know, everything changes. Right. She goes, she goes, I, I, I finally get, I finally get when you used to tell me you didn't like to tell people you were a minister. She goes, <laughs> I get it now. And then I tell them that my mom was a minister. And I'm like, oh, you were a double preacher's kid. So yeah. like, that's a whole thing. She goes, so I generally don't tell people that. Um, yeah. um, so, so yeah, it's a, it's, it's a whole thing because, you know, as, uh, our, our children, as they seek to define themselves, um, beyond us, they know that they're products of us and that other people will, will, will dump a whole lot of assumptions about them on them based on who, we are and they're like, i mean really yeah. their future partners should just look at all the therapy bills they're gonna need and like <laughs> exactly. rack that up in their brain and be like are they still worth it and then you know go from there no just have yeah. them listen to these episodes of this podcast and go like, eh, and then they'll be fun and then they'll be yeah, like so oh bad. they're gonna need even more therapy than <laughs> wow. got it okay kaboom there you go <laughs> Well, on that word, thank you, friends, for tuning into Pub Theology Live. You can show your love for the show by becoming a supporter on Patreon. You can get access to pre and post show banter. If you thought this was good, wait till what we say when we uh, turn off Facebook Live. Um, visit patreon.com slash PT Live to get started. And a big thank you to our current patrons. Listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Watch us live Tuesdays on Facebook around 1 p.m. Eastern. Yes, we are day drinking. Just embrace it and let's go with it. Wait, we were day drinking last time. What are you talking about? Oh, <laughs> Find or create a pub theology in your town. Learn more at pubtheology.com. And until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. Listen, um, so friends, I am training yeah. next week, but Derek said he would be here. If that's okay. Sure. Yeah. I don't think um, we have a... <laughs>
you don't have a choice. But yes, we always love to stare. Yeah, I will. I will be in the middle of a training. All so right. when we do this, but he'll be here next week, and then two weeks after that, we are both in Mexico for our, our five-year anniversary. Um, I know. And I'm you're gonna have the big. kids with you at your anniversary, like God no. Right? So I'm. All right. All right. We'll okay. See, see y'all later. And then and see you later. Good Bye. Job.